My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's time for today's travel and cruise industry news. With the latest from travel and cruises around the world, here's your host, Chili Falls. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Travel and Cruise Industry News Live and Podcast. On this, the 17th day of January 2022, a really good day here for, uh, for Chili's Cruises and the Travel and Cruise Industry News Podcast. We've got an awesome special guest coming up. Uh, a couple of things to cover first. Today is National Hot Buttered Rum Day. So, I mean, you guys know what to do about that. Of course, uh, it's uh, go have some hot buttered rum. I highly recommend it. It's also uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So you guys that know me uh, know that that's uh, uh, equally important and the serious part of today. So I'm not going to do anything really funny about National Buttered Rum Day. Uh, but also just to say that it's uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day as well. All right, we got some cruise ships sailing today from North American ports. Down in Charleston, we got the Carnival Sunshine, Port Canaveral, Disney Dream, and Carnival Elation. Down in Miami, Freedom of the Seas, folks, sails today. And next Monday, I will be on Freedom of the Seas, my first cruise back in over two years. Uh, the Carnival Conquest also sails today, as does the Disney Magic and Crystal Serenity, all in Miami. Over in Tampa, the Brilliance of the Seas, Galveston, Carnival Breeze, and Adventure of the Seas. Out in Los Angeles, Long Beach, the Carnival Radiance. Los Angeles, San Pedro, the Navigator of the Seas. The main headlines this morning from Europe, Spain to re require boosters for U.S. travelers. From Florida, Allure of the Seas itinerary changes. Out in California, Celebrity Eclipse cruises canceled. From Hong Kong, we got Dream Cruises cancellations. These and lots more here at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Travel and Cruise Industry News. If you're listening to the podcast, 
uh, and you're always looking, if you're looking for the podcast, it can always be accessed on my accessible blog, which is accessadventure.net. It's also available wherever you get your podcasts like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any place, any of them. Just search for Travel and Cruise Industry News and you'll get the old fat travel guy. Now, my special guest today is Ashley Lynn Olson. Uh, access your world, access the world. It's one or the other. We'll have to ask her. Uh, and of course, her, her website is wheelchairtraveling.com, which has been around since like 2006. Paralyzed in an automobile accident at age 14, then had another little brush with death in New Zealand in 2020. A blogger, a vlogger, an access travel videographer. She also created research and, and uh, filmed the Access to Parks project dealing with accessibility in our national parks, which is where I tripped across her the first time. So with no further ado, here's my guest for this morning, Ashley Olson. Ashley, welcome to Chili Chats. Hi, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Good morning. I, I, I was, I'm really excited about, about talking to you, but before I get to the questions that I, I, I have to ask or want to ask, tell us a little bit about your background, how you ended up where you are, and how you ended up doing what you're doing. All right. Um, I was paralyzed in a car accident when I was 14, as you mentioned. And before that, I was on my way to get a basketball scholarship to Stanford University. I had been working my entire life for that. And in one split instant, my entire life changed. My entire world changed. I was paralyzed. My dad was killed in the car accident that I was in. Uh, my mom was crippled and my little sister was severely injured. So my life was going one way and all of a sudden I had to pivot and change and learn life all over again, learn how to put my pants on, open up doors, all that, all that good pair of stuff. And, um, but my dad was actually a park ranger. And so growing up, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of camping and hiking. So after I became paralyzed, one of my first thoughts was, okay, so what can I still do? Like, how can I you know, get out and see the world. How can I get out in nature? How can I travel? How can I experience things? And I wanted to create a way for other people to see the outdoors. So I wanted to create a website and to start documenting my travels and connect with other people and see if they wanted to document their travels and wheelchair traveling. was Since then, you obviously have done some traveling. You were in New Zealand in 2020. <laughs> a lot. Tell us about that. A lot, a lot, a lot. What's that? What's that? About tell us, give it tell us what happened in New Zealand in 2020. Oh, in 2020. So I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. Always. I remember when I first became paralyzed, my older sister did a study abroad thing and took her to New Zealand for a little bit. And just seeing the pictures and hearing her stories, I was just drooling. I mean, I love, you know, big ferns and waterfalls. And that was, New Zealand just seemed like my, my type of paradise as being an outdoor park lover. But I never thought that I would be able to, to go there, honestly. Um, just looking at the pictures and the trails, seeing they were, you know, a little bit rocky. You know, they weren't completely smoothly paved. 
thinking about having to, uh, you know, hire somebody to travel around with me or getting in and out of the car. When I first became paralyzed, that was just, you know, so daunting. Like I, that was just not going to, that was just not going to happen. That just seemed exhausting, even just thinking about it. Um, but I had always been dreaming about it. And I had looked into going to New Zealand a couple of times and it never worked out. And then this year in, or you know, a couple of years ago in 2020, um, all the cards just kind of came together and it, and it did. It worked out beautifully, seamlessly, came together super fast, faster than I ever imagined. And before I knew it, I was already in New Zealand. So I was having an epic time. I was there by myself, driving around, getting in and out of the car, exhausting myself every single day, was in bed by like seven o'clock. I mean, the sun was down. I was, I was done. I was done. I was exhausted. I was tired, um, but had such an amazing time. And on the second to last day that I was there, I was actually in another car accident that oddly enough really paralleled um, the first car accident that I was in that paralyzed me very oddly, very, very oddly. So um, in the accident that paralyzed me, I don't, I don't remember anything. I was actually thrown out of the back of the vehicle. Um, I had blacked out, um, was not breathing. I'd actually died uh, a couple times during that period as well. Um, the doctors, you know, told my mom I wasn't going to make it during that night. Uh, little sister, you know, definitely has vivid memories of me, you know, having to get stripped down and having the paddles on me to try to bring me back to life. You know, she was um, I was 14. So she was 11 at that at that time. And um, so I'm in New Zealand, though, and uh, second to last day driving along. And I pretty much had already done everything in New Zealand I had planned to do. So I was kind of just winging it at this point. And I literally just looked on a map, saw a green face, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go here. I just saw this random lake. So I'm driving out to this lake and it's a very, very long road. I go off the paved road and I'm on now this dirt road for like a good while. It's 20 minutes. Now it's climbing after 20 minutes. I'm like, where, where is this lake? Where is this lake? Um, but at this point I, I've already committed myself. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm on this dirt road. I've driven you know, 20 now, 30 minutes, I'm going to see this lake, whatever it is, or whatever's at the end of this road. So I make it there, beautiful lake, uh, find out later that actually the lake was a very sacred area. It's very sacred for locals. And that actually there supposedly is a, a, um, a princess, a priestess princess that roams that area and, and protects that land. And so um, I was uh, driving back from that location and uh, pulled over because there were some cars that were going too fast and I was letting them pass. And I'm just driving along and the car basically just kind of dips down to the right. And I, you know, I turn and as I'm going down um, this tiny, tiny little hill, it's not even a hill, it's just like a little gradual you know, line in the road. Um, my car starts hydroplaning because um, there's no longer any tracks in the road. Um, I've been driving on this dirt road. And if you can imagine, you know, even if you've never been on a dirt road before, just from the old tiny movies, think of like, you know, horse and buggy, how there's like that one track on a dirt road, you know, and everybody follows kind of that one dirt, you know, track road. It's open. Um, that's what I would ask if I was doing. But when I turn this corner, this track was no longer there. So I'm going down this tiny little incline and my car is not four wheel drive and immediately starts sliding really hardcore. And not only does the road dip down to the right, but it also kind of is, um, uh, has a cross slope down into this, down into this valley. And, um, 
so on th there's a valley on one side and then there's a hill on the other side. So as I'm trying to like stay in the middle of the road, I'm obviously trying to go towards the hillside versus the ravine side. And so um, I'm, I'm holding onto the car, but it's so heavy. It's so heavy. I mean, it's just like this dead horse that I'm carrying. And the car just continues to slide. And um, again, I'm trying to stay in the middle of the road because I don't want to go down into that ravine. But then I also am trying to avoid these water barges that are on the side of the road, um, you know, just to prevent water from going onto the road. And... My front tire hits that, which I was also trying to avoid, hits that. And I immediately go flying up into the air. I remember being in the air and just thinking, okay, yeah, like this, this is happening. Like this is happening. Okay, this is happening. And then I black out. I black out for, I'm not sure about the time frame, but I black out for a little bit. And, but I wake up to the car still ro rolling. It's rolling. And I remember seeing, uh, the car door window above me and thinking, oh shit, I'm gonna have to climb out of this. You know, I'm paralyzed, you know, and I'm gonna have to like climb out of this. But luckily the car rolled fully, completely straight. And then I looked around, I'm like, okay, like this is interesting. So I, I when I was on the road, I was going one direction, but when I landed, I was definitely facing the opposite direction. So I'm not sure because I had blacked out at what point the car kind of like flipped while it was rolling a little bit. Um, I'm not sure, but I definitely was landed the opposite way. So I checked myself. I wasn't bleeding. Nothing was broken. I was still here. I was still present. Um, I tried to go back the way that I came um, with the car, but I had gone over uh, this fence and that just wasn't going to happen because there was all this other debris and trees and bushes and stuff like that. So I was in this fence. I was looking around for a gate of some kind and somehow there had to be a gate somewhere. Like somebody has to get in here, right? Right. So I decided to go around the perimeter looking for a gate. I was able to find one. And, um, but it was up like a quarter way up this really big hill because as, as I said, I went down this ravine and um, I couldn't stay in the car to open up the latch. It was just the way that where the gate was placed and my car and everything like that. Like I tried, like there was no way of me staying in the car to open up that latch. I had to get out. So I scaled, got out of the car, scaled up over my car in, in my wheelchair and the ground was super soft, like quicksand, powdered snow, like super soft. So it was a hard, hard push. And so I, I scale up over the car and then I make it to the fence, but um, not where the latch is. I still have to go up a quarter ways up the hill. So I'm literally like cliffhanger, one rung after another, uh, just trying to climb up this, this fence to you know reach this, this latch. And I'm basically at the latch and I'm trying to open it and I just can't reach it. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing else for me to do right now. This is all I need to do is open up this latch. Like this is just what has to happen. So somehow my, my fingers just have to grow a quarter of an inch. Like that's just what I tell myself. I'm like, somehow this just has to happen. So I keep stretching and stretching and stretching. Somehow I still don't know how, like I was able to open up that latch and the gate was so heavy because again, it's on a, a hill it comes flying at me, almost knocks me out of my wheelchair, um, but it doesn't. Um, goes past me. I scale back down, um, scaling back down. The ground again is so soft that it ends up just like sinking me down and tipping me back out of my wheelchair, knocking me out of my wheelchair. But at that point, my adrenaline is just like through the roof. So I'm like, why do I even have this wheelchair? Like this wheelchair is, is pointless. I could have done all of this without the wheelchair right now. So I throw the wheelchair in there. 
um, in, in the car, get myself in the vehicle, try uh, to go up the hill where I'm at, even though I know it's not the best point, but I just try. I'm like, okay, let me just see. Car starts spinning, can't get up it. Try another, try the point that I thought was the best. And I was able to get, I don't know, like a quarter ways up and the car is just like smoking crazy smoke. And so I'm like, okay, obviously like I'm not gonna be able to do this. So I uh, get my bag and have my passport, cell phone, um, you know, like my, like a jacket that I had with me because I didn't know if I was gonna have to stay there overnight, you know, maybe a little tent or something like that. Um, I didn't know what was gonna happen. But what I did know is that somebody was going to find me. That was like not out of the question. I'm like, I don't care if my ass has to crawl down this dirt road until somebody finds me, but somebody will eventually find me. So um, I have to crawl, but first I have to get up this ravine, right? So I have to crawl up this ravine, which was, you know, definitely interesting and uh, invigorating and challenging and all of the above. Um, but I would take um, my bag and I would throw it ahead of me and my jacket and I would throw it ahead of me as kind of like the markers, like the goal. And then I would like crawl to it, you know, and I'd throw it ahead and then I'd crawl to it some more. So, and luckily New Zealand has crazy long grass, which was like ropes because it was sticking out of this hillside because I could actually use them as ropes. So I would be pulling with one hand and pushing with the other. And then I would switch sides just so my arm, you know, didn't get tired doing one thing at one position. And um, finally get to the top, exhausted, have a little moment, have a little break, have a little prayer, you know, of, of gratitude. And then I just start laughing because, um, and well, I was laughing actually on the way up because I kept on thanking New Zealand for what strong grass they had. Because again, going up this ravine, it was like quicksand. I mean, it was the ground, the, the dirt was so soft. So if it wasn't for the grass, it would have just been horrendously more difficult. I mean, it already was difficult. It already was horrendously difficult, but it just would have been added like way, a whole new level of difficulty. And so um, I'm like laughing. I'm like, oh, New Zealand, thank you. I love your grass. I love your grass. Like, thank you. And then I get to the top and I like say that again, because I'm just so grateful. Like the weather, there's no, um, you know, snakes or anything weird like that, that I have to worry about predators that are be coming after me or anything like that, New Zealand. So for, for the, everything that I'd gone down, I was so grateful how everything had occurred. I was just so happy and thankful that I was alive and you know, this is, this is going to work out. Like I, I was going to survive this again, this wasn't a question. It was just a matter of when I was going to be rescued. So I get to the top of the hill, but then I realize I still have to get to the road because there's this huge meadow in front of me and the grass is just crazy long and I'm on the ground obviously because I'm paralyzed and the grass is definitely above me, you know, and um, nobody can see me. And not only that, but there's a shed and there's a barn and there's all these trees too blocking the road. So literally somebody would have to just have a rubber neck and just stretch and by the grace of God, somehow see me in the grass. Um, so I knew I had to get to the road. I knew I knew I had to get to the road in order to be able to wave somebody down. And also during this time, just to let everybody know, there had been no cars whatsoever. After the two cars that initially passed me from the lake, there had been no cars, not a sound, not a peep of life anywhere, absolutely anywhere. So, and I, and I, was, I would scream for help every once in a while, just for kicks, just for kicks, just in case anybody was around. And um, so I got up. So sorry, I got across the meadow. 
um, almost across the meadow, preparing myself mentally to maybe sleep in the barn for that night, you know, if need be, you know, and having to go down the road the next day again. Anyways, like I, I was just trying to prepare for different scenarios. And um, all of a sudden, uh, I I heard a car and I was just screaming, help, you know, bloody murder. And I had my bag and I'm waving it over my head so they could see me because, again, I'm in the grass, but I'm not fully at the road yet. But I'm close. I'm real close. And um, so I'm waving. I'm waving my bag. And by the grace of God, the car had its windows rolled down. They heard me. The car stopped. There was four people that came running out. Um, As they're running towards me, they're like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm so relieved, but I'm obviously I've been crawling and, you know, working my butt off. And so with all the, the energy and um, voice I had, I just screamed back to them. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm paralyzed, but I'm okay. I've been paralyzed for 20 years. I'm okay. And that's why I'm down here. And then I just collapse. And then... um. So they ended up being government workers who were out in the middle of nowhere, just like doing random government work, you know, looking at water levels and like, but like bugs. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, not paraphrasing, but I'm like making it completely simplifying what, what their job was. They were out doing their, their government park work and somehow found like literally the only people that were there and it was getting dusk. I think by that time it was like, 4 30 5 o'clock you know so it was definitely getting you know evening time and so on so they picked me up uh took me back to the hotel and then um i felt totally fine the person at the hotel was very concerned and she insisted on that i go to the doctors the next morning and since i was going on a plane flight i'm like you know what i don't know what happened to me like let's just go to the doctors just just in case just in case i've heard of these weird case scenarios where people don't go to the doctor you might have a brain aneurysm or like a blood i don't know something you're just not aware of so i go to the doctor explain the whole story and the doctor is just looking at me with like wide eyes and like you know, mouth wide open. She's just like, this, this is what you went through and, and you're here right now. And you're telling me this. Yeah. You're okay to fly. You're fine. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> what a story. My yeah. So I lost lots, lots of details, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah. One of a kind experience for sure. Absolutely amazing. All right. Somewhere along the way, I know you started the website way back, 2006, I believe it was, to basically provide resources and information to the mobility-challenged world. Yeah. People with limited mobility, whatever that might be. It could be permanent. It could be temporary. Whatever. Right. Then somewhere along in there, you started the Access to Parks project. Yes. I mean, like I said, I've always been a passion about parks. You know, I've always been kind of documenting parks. Um, But as I continue to document parks, I definitely notice, you know, some, you know, lack of consistencies of things and just ways of improving park access and just some really cool things, you know, like, oh my gosh, this park, you know, did this. And like, look at the materials that this park used, you know, to make this more accessible, you know, and still environmentally friendly and et cetera. Um, so I wanted just to kind of share with parks, depending on what their budget w- was, um, depending on like, you know, so many different aspects. Okay, 
here's what I found. So no matter what your budget is, no matter what your infrastructure, like aesthetic, you know, needs are, here's how to make things more accessible. I mean, I've seen everything from making a trash can into an accessible um, uh, push button for, for an automatic door. So like there's literally so many things that can be done. And a lot of things are very, very small things. Just, you know, just putting solid information on your website, you know, not claiming that it's 100% accessible, but just give us what might be possible, you know, and what maybe what other people ha have done and allow us to know where we can find the accessible bathrooms and drinking fountains, because not every park has accessible facilities at every single location and um, all these little details. So we can get out and enjoy parks and go bird eating and hiking and, you know, enjoy the fresh air, just like everybody else. One of the things that I found out that I'm, I'm new to this world considering compared to you. I mean, I'm old enough to be your grandfather, but, uh, and started traveling before you were born. Uh, but um, I've just been in the uh, mobility challenged world for what, four years now going on five years. And then of course the last year of it, I had all kinds of health issues uh, between the pandemic and cancer and chemo, you know, I have not been able to cruise for uh, two years since my last cruise. Uh, I'm going next Monday. Yeah. So I got three cruises booked and I've got about 17 booked now. So I'm finally getting back to what I love. However, I'm going to be doing this in a little different vein, much more in the vein of the way you've done things in that every content creator in the cruise and travel space does the same thing. You know, this is a swimming pool. This is a hot tub. Uh, this is my steak dinner. Uh, this is my uh, inside cabin or whatever. I'm going to be looking at it, uh, at my cruises now from eyes of uh, the accessibility on cruises. Good. It's going to be good. Some of it's not going to be good. I know that going in. In your work with the parks, did you find parks that were just totally inaccessible that you really had to say, okay, guys, we got to do a lot of stuff here? Or were most of them at least on the way to a good place? Well, I would say that the parks that I make an effort to actually go to, I mean, I've done some research um, beforehand. So I wouldn't necessarily go to a park, at least plan to go to a park that um, that I don't have any information on where I don't know about accessibility at all. So I really try to at least go to a park that has something that, in, that intrigues me. You know, they have to have some kind of some trail or at least like a beautiful drive. You know, it doesn't have to even be 100 percent accessible, but something for at least to get me there, you know, like personal or from accessibility standpoint. Um but yeah, definitely, I mean, I've run into absolutely the good, the bad, the ugly, the fantastic, the innovative, the horrible um, in terms of access. But a lot of a lot of times it just comes down to um, like, yeah, making things more upgraded and, and giving the right information. Because, for example, there might be like a really old drinking fountain that's made out of stone, you know, and this and these stones actually came from the park, you know, and it was one of the first drinking fountains, you know, that like has been in the park and that kind of a thing. So there's like some historic 
significance to this drinking fountain. So yeah, no, I don't want this like drinking fountain to be destroyed or, or whatnot. Um, but um, so parks need to either let people know like, okay, yes, like this drinking fountain isn't accessible, but you know, if you just turn your head, you know, just around the visitor center, there's another drinking fountain, you know, that is accessible or better yet, which what, what I've seen is actually this like plastic piece that you can actually like snap on to these older stone drinking fountains and actually make a modified accessible drinking fountain. So you still keep the original structure and that's all fine and dandy, but then you can literally like clamp on this plastic additional piece to make an additional area. that's like a roll up drinking fountain for somebody who's in a wheelchair, which is fantastic. And again, it's not damaging original structure foundation or anything. Right. And you've also been doing some work with uh, state parks as well. Have you? Oh yeah. State parks, regional parks, everything. I mean, it's, so even though I might go to like, you know, I might have my heart set on going to like a national park or a state park or something like that. Um, if I'm in the area, there, usually there might be a park or two, you know, some kind regional or whatnot in the area that, that I'll also go in and check out just because it's in the area and why not? And just kind of expand that. So if, if I'm out, if I have the time, I literally run myself park ragged. Like when I go out park, searching. I mean, if, if I can fit in just like one more trail, one more overlook, I will. I mean, I, I literally will just go all at it all day. How did you do or did you uh, traveling during the pandemic? Um, road trips. Road trips. I am actually, I'm going to be speaking at the Los Angeles Abilities Expo in March. And I'm going to be doing um, a whole talk about kind of rediscovering America and just all the kind of fun, quirky, weird, cool, interesting, controversial things that can be found right here in America that you can go and explore. You know, some things might be really close in your own backyard. Um, for example, there, there, there's some people even before the pandemic, people that I know, people that I've grown up with, um, people that I've worked with. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I asked them, oh, have you ever been to Yosemite? It's only about two hours away. No, I haven't been to Yosemite yet, and I've been living here for 15 years. Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, or, like, people have never even just driven across the Golden Gate Bridge. It's like there's so many beautiful fruits, like, in your own backyard. I mean, granted, I have some beautiful fruits living in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I don't care. Like, I've been to so many places across the country and world. Like, no matter where you are, like, farm town, the middle of nowhere, there are beautiful gems to be found and explored. Right. Have you also been on any cruises? I have. I've um, One of my um, uh, favorite, for sure, is, is definitely the Alaska cruise. Um, being able to, to, you know, have a nice warmer place to retreat really close to, um, then be able to go right on the, the deck, you know, and look at um, glaciers and just the beauty of Alaska was just absolutely incredible. Alaska is just epic. How did you find accessibility on the cruise ships? Um, cruise ships kind of like parks where it's just like, yes, there is access, but there's so many things, especially, let me rephrase that. So parks, I feel like I have a little bit more of a grace period because it's a natural environment and something that people are kind of modifying to create access for humans. Um, but cruise ships, I mean, these are built literally 
for humans. So my standards in terms of accessibility are extremely high. And I feel like cruise ships can do just so much more to be more accessible and friendly and accommodating, like ridiculously amount more. I mean, being able just to get around the ship is not, you know, making it 100% accessible to me. That's not an accessible cruise experience. I want to be able to like do... I don't expect to be able to do every single activity, like every single thing on the cruise ship, but I want, I expect to be able to get around everywhere and not have to go super far in order to find an elevator in order to backtrack to get wherever I'm, I'm going, first of all. And I would like to be able to participate, I would say at least in 75% of the activities. And I feel that's like a low bar. I feel like that's low. Like I would like to be a lot higher, but at least 75% of the activities I would like to be able to participate in. Now, here's this is how things are going to change for me, at least in my thinking. <clears throat> I have used the last four or five cruises I've been on a scooter because of being mobility challenged, but I can still walk a little, you know, I'm good for 20 yards, maybe pushing at 30 yards. By then I'm out of breath. I need my oxygen. Um, or, you know, the other issues with my replaced hips and my back and being a big fat guy on top of that, um, I'm done, you know. So, uh, like, for instance, going into a dining room, uh, I've been on cruises that they didn't want you to come up to the table with the scooter because it just didn't fit right. Yeah. But yeah. since I could walk, I could park the scooter off to the side and walk to a table that was close by. Yeah, yeah. So the cruises I'm going on now, I'm going to go from the standpoint of, okay, I'm in the scooter. I'm not going to get up and walk. Uh, I want to see how it's going to be for somebody that would be permanently in a chair yeah, yeah. and trying to do the same thing I'm doing from a scooter, even though I'm, you know, I'm challenged but not totally disabled. So terrific. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll do that too. I mean, even though I can transfer myself, I've definitely um, been in situations where I have pretended that I can't. And I just want, because I just want to see, you know, how staff is trained, like what they do, how they operate and whatnot. But so what I think you'll definitely find at cruises that um, there'll be some restaurants that, um, that have chairs that can be moved or whatnot, that they'll be able to create some space, but there's a majority of them, they're just too small. They, there's no space or they'll have um, uh, permanent seating that can't be moved. You know, they'll have bar stools or something like that, that, you know, or, you know, if it's like a diner or something like that, they'll just like permanently in, in place. And, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. And I mean, you think about traveling, you know, just yourself in a scooter, which definitely has, challenges more so than, uh, you know, a smaller uh, mobile chair like like mine. But, um, you know, think about also sometimes I'll travel with my boyfriend who's also in a wheelchair and we definitely we did the Alaska cruise together. And so think about one person in a wheelchair and complications add two people in a wheelchair. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Like in elevators and like restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Transportation options. For, you know, excursions, all that kind of stuff. We definitely put them through the ringer. Yeah. All right, Ashley, I just, I so appreciate you being with me today. 
uh, and, and giving me some time. Uh, yes. What's your, what's your next, uh, next trip scheduled? Um, let's see. I'm actually, it's, it's my, my boyfriend and I's 10 year anniversary. So we're actually going to be doing a little short, um, road trip actually out to Colorado. Uh, going to go out there because I guess there is, um, they have steam trains and other trains, locomotives, um, in the Rocky mountains. Um, there's different train rides and stuff that you can do, but they actually have a specific train that you can ride during the winter time that goes through like the snow and whatnot. And so we're going to do a little romantic, you know, little day, you know, train ride, a little lunch of, you know, what, I mean, lunch sandwiches, you know, it's more of the experience for me and just kind of being with my loved one and, you know, nice. something different and new, but it's all accessible. I mean, they know there's two wheelchair people coming and they, we got all set up and accommodated for us. So that's coming that's next. Fabulous. All right, Ashley, thank you so much. I so appreciate this. Uh, and we'll stay in touch and, you know, I'm going to be posting accessible information from cruise ships now quite a bit. So, yes. yes. All right. Thanks a bunch, Ashley. We'll talk to you real soon. Yes. To be continued. All right. Okay. Bye. That's uh Ashley Olson from wheelchairtraveling.com. Great interview. All right, I'll be back with some news, folks, after this word from one of our network sponsors. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. All right, back with getting to some uh, some news for the day, folks. Uh, before I do that, I do have a couple other things to uh, mention. Uh, Nikki, I don't know. I have not been over in the chat room to see if Nikki's there. She and Roger are going into Tahiti sometime today. That's pretty awesome. And I do have uh, Elizabeth on location. You know, she's on the Meraviglia. She's in seven days worth of quarantine as all new staff members uh, go through. Uh, she will be uh, getting out of quarantine on Friday and going to work. So um, I did get a um, clip from Elizabeth on location from the MSC Meraviglia. Uh, so here's Elizabeth. Well, hi, Chili and the gang. It's Elizabeth on location. I'm here on the Meraviglia and I'm in quarantine. So I, I joined the ship, as many of you know, on Friday, and I was able to walk right down the gangway in a beautiful day in Cozumel, and I got to the ship at the scheduled time. They told me to arrive at 11 a.m., and just at that time, guess what? It was crew drill. <laughs> Luckily, it was a sunny day, because I had to stand outside on the, on the pier for almost two hours, but hey, 
you know, things happen. And like I said, it was a beautiful day and there was a nice ocean breeze and it was pleasant. So I just hung out on the pier. And uh, so that was good. I had some bottles of water with me, so I was perfectly fine. And the staff kept coming down, come stand in the shade over here. And I'm like, I know I'm getting my last few hours of sunshine. Because uh, I know once I get here, you know, got to work. And so anyway, I'm in a, a passenger cabin on deck eight. And this whole floor, I, apparently, I don't know this to be a fact, but I believe from when I was walking in that this whole floor, this whole deck is... Uh, crew uh, who are being quarantined, not for illness, mind you, uh, quarantined because they just joined the ship. So we have a lot of brand new crew and I joined on, you know, at the end of the cruise. So today is actually turnaround day. So I joined in Cozumel on Friday. Saturday was a day at sea and today we're in Port Canaveral and it is, I'm not even going to show you out there, it is an ugly, dreary, rainy day. So I'm sure there are a bunch of passengers who are really excited to start their cruise on this uh, beautiful ship. Now I only know it's a beautiful ship because I did some research before I got here and looked around on some videos of what's available on the ship. I was escorted straight from the gangway right up uh, to my room. I didn't pass go. I did not collect 200. I went directly to jail. <laughs> That's a monopoly thing. Okay. If you didn't get it anyway. Um, so here I am in my room and it's a, a really quite a nice room. And anyway, I get, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner served every day and two liters of water, which is not enough for me. So, um, I inquired and they're going to be looking into that and I should be getting more water. Luckily, like I said, I brought water and I brought some snacks because, um, you can't just survive on the one little meal that they serve you, uh, in quarantine. I'm just saying anyway, but they've been very, very nice. Everyone who I've spoken to over the phone, super friendly, and I can't wait to get started. So I have a week of quarantine. And this cruise, we actually go to Nassau and the private island. It's just a three-day cruise, four-day cruise. And then the next cruise is another short one, same ports, but an extra sea day thrown in. And then on the first cruise that I get to work, I uh, actually go to Costa Maya and Cozumel. So I'm super excited about that because I get to go home every cruise. And I've also heard on this ship that the crew are not allowed cruise shore leave at this point. And I know a lot of you have watched earlier in the season when I was at No Name Bar and crew were being allowed off on some of the ships. Well, they revoked cruise shore leave on a lot of cruise lines since this new variant. So um, MSC had never allowed crew ashore. Now, luckily with my job, my job is working ashore. So I will be allowed off in certain ports that I have work in. Um, the private island doesn't look like I'll be able to get off there because I don't have anything in those ports uh, work-related. And as far as Port Canaveral, I wanted to go get a new uh, laptop. But it appears that I'm not going to be able to do that either because <clears throat> I would normally be working on this day on board the ship. So anyway, it looks like I'll have some restrictions, but I don't care. I'm happy as can be to be back on a ship sailing the high seas. I've been sending, I've been taking lots of photographs of sunsets. The Wi-Fi here has been really um, on and off. It's sketchy. You know, that's just how it is when you're at sea sometimes. And um, I don't know if that's how it is for everyone or if that's just the crew link that I'm on, but I haven't had great reception. Although today we're in, like I said, in Cape Canaveral. So I'm hoping I'll be able to send this off to Chile. If not, 
maybe tomorrow in Nassau. So I'm hoping for a prettier day in Nassau. I'll take some photos from my balcony, but um, today it's not looking good out there. It is a gray, dismal, rainy day. I even have a jacket on because it's that cold here. Anyway, um, happy to talk to everyone and I'll give you some updates once I do get into the ports. Like I said, it's seven days of quarantine for me and once I get to Costa Maya and Cozumel, yeah, I'll be talking to Chile again. So anyway, um, have fun for those of you who are out there cruising and I look forward to talking to everyone soon. Take care for now. And that, of course, is our Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Stern, Elizabeth on location. So, all right, time to get to the news. Spain will soon be requiring that visitors from the United States have their booster shot to enter the country. This means that travelers must uh, receive their booster if eligible or the last required dose of the initial vaccination at least two weeks prior to arriving in Spain. The rule goes into effect February 1st, which means that on that day, anyone who received their last COVID shot earlier than May the 7th, 2021, will need to have their booster. The new rule applies if the visitor's initial date of COVID vaccination is over 270 days prior to arrival. Accepted vaccines include Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Johnson & Johnson. Spain isn't the only country already requiring a booster shot for arriving travelers. Austria announced its requirement in December. The Netherlands is set to begin enforcing a booster requirement starting February 1st. Switzerland, Greece, and Croatia have also indicated their intent to make the booster mandatory, but have not yet announced a date for when they will do so. Other countries are updating their digi digital verification systems to prepare for booster requirements. For example, UK's National Health Service COVID pass can be used to show proof of a booster or the third dose for, an out, for outbound travel. Cruise lines both in the U.S. and Europe are slowly starting to roll out a booster requirement. Canard Uncruise, P&O Cruises, and the German cruise line Hoppig Lloyd uh, have initiated similar policies. So <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, get on a soapbox and preach about getting your booster shot, folks. I'm also going to quit preaching about getting vaccinated. You guys all know how I feel about that. Uh, so, guess boarding on Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas, which is set to sail on January 22nd, that's five days from now, have already been advised of itinerary changes for their sailing. Unlike recent sailings that have been troubled with port cancellations, however, the changes for Allure are only a rearranging of the planned ports of call of the original itinerary. The January 22nd sailing of Allure of the Seas, which is an eight-night Eastern Caribbean cruise from Fort Lauderdale, that's Port Everglades, the ship's original itinerary had it visiting Nassau and the Bahamas the first day, following by a day at sea, then three ports in three days, St. Thomas on the 25th, 
St. Martin on the 26th, St. Kitts on the 27th. The last, uh, the last two of those are going to be flip-flopped with the changes. These changes are not COVID-related, but the email sent out by uh, Aurora Vera Rodriguez, Assistant Vice President of Guest Experience at Royal Caribbean states, due to a birthing conflict, we've swapped the days. We'll visit uh, St. Kitts and Phillipsburg uh, and St. Martin in the reverse order. So on the 26th, they'll be in St. Kitts and the 27th, they'll be at St. Martin. So birthing conflicts can occur when multiple cruise ships are scheduled to visit the same port of call on the same day and the port facilities and local tour operators may not be properly equipped to handle all the ships adequately depending on their size and guest capabilities. So you'd think with ships not being uh, sailing at 100% capacity, uh, this wouldn't have happened, but it happened. So that's for Allure of the Seas uh, sailing on, what's that, Friday? Yeah. Celebrity Cruises has canceled four Celebrity Eclipse Cruises uh, departing from Los Angeles and Pedro cruise facility. By the way, this was erroneously uh, reported by one of the major sources uh, saying that it was from um, a Long Beach in Los Angeles, which are two separate, even though they're close, they're only about seven miles apart. They're two separate facilities. But actually the Celebrity Eclipse was scheduled to sail from San Pedro. Uh, the departures are on March the 26th, April 2nd, April 9th, and April 16th. Those are now canceled. The cruise Line says the decision was made after working closely with health and government authorities to evaluate operational plans and ship itineraries. Whether the cancellations have something to do with the strict measures implemented in several California ports recently is unclear. The Pacific Coast itinerary included calls in Santa Catalina Island, Santa Barbara, Ensenada, and San Diego. The re repositioning uh, from Los Angeles to Vancouver included calls to Catalina Island, San Francisco, Astoria, uh, Seattle, and Victoria in British Columbia. The Santa Barbara Waterfront uh, Department decided in August to put its cruise ship program on halt until at least March because of COVID concerns. Earlier this week, San Francisco <clears throat> implemented strict testing guidelines for unvaccinated cruisers. From Hong Kong, Asia-based Dream Cruises has seen some rough times of late. <clears throat> The company was ordered to suspend operation earlier this month, which led to canceling cruises through January 19th as COVID-19 cases continued to rise. The cruise line was forced to cancel even more cruises through February the 2nd. The cruise line, which uh, did not have any reported cases on board its ships, uh, says that the cancellations come out of an abundance of caution from the Hong Kong government. Nonetheless, it could not come at a worse time for the owner of Dream Cruises, Genting. Asia's biggest cruise company faces serious financial issues 
both in Asia, especially with cruises being canceled and have to take care of all the, giving the money back and so forth, no uh, profit. And at uh, Genting's uh, subsidiary shipyard in the Werften in Germany that filed for bankruptcy last week. So, all right. That's going to wrap up the news portion of today. So let's go over in the chat room and see if anybody is uh, here or fussing with me. Uh, Carol's with us. Hey, Carol, good to see you. It's a blizzard here in Niagara, two feet of snow with high wind. What a day to celebrate my birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, and Carol says, I'm having two butter hot butter drums. Good for you. I think that's a wonderful plan. And speaking of snow, uh, we didn't get as much here as they were calling for. Uh, we got probably six, seven inches, um, which still for Virginia is, you know, a fair amount. Uh, but it's windy today. Uh, we could have winds up to 25 miles an hour, and it's still cold. Not as cold as it was. So it's going to be in the 30s today. Um, but yeah, then the, the, the deep freeze comes in, it's going down in the teens at night uh, for the next week or so. so, but I think we're out of the snow now. We're not going to get any more, but it's going to get blown around a lot. Uh, Gretchen says happy birthday to Carol, 16 inches of snow there in Ohio, but the sun is coming out. Hot air Tom is with us saying hi to everybody. Snow was a frizzle there in Richmond. Amy's with us. Hi, y'all. Jack's here from Conroe, Texas, 47 degrees and sunny. That's a little nippy in Conroe, Jack. Says hi to everybody. Jack says, good news. The canceled three-day Bahamas cruise has been replaced by a seven-day NCL Bliss Alaska cruise, May 28th from Seattle. Sweet. I'm glad that's... uh, that's coming up for you, Jack. May the 28th. Can't remember if I'm on a cruise then or not. I don't know. That's, my schedule's so confusing anymore. Uh, Hot Air says, says Nikki is almost to Papiete. Uh, yes. I wonder if I wonder if she has a Wi-Fi enough that I could do a quick uh, interview with her for tomorrow's show from Tahiti. I've never interviewed anybody from Tahiti. I'll have to ask. Seven days until hot air aboards the celebrity silhouette in Fort Lauderdale for 11 days, followed by 16 days Miami to L.A. on the Bliss. <clears throat> Just received a celebrity email to opt in for green housekeeping. Get extra captain's club points. Nice. Mm. <clears throat> There's Nikki says, good morning, everybody. No snow there. Well, I hope not. If Nikki's in snow, we're in trouble. Dock in Tahiti in a couple hours. Very nice. Um, can you see land? Looks like you are pretty close. I'll have to wait to see if she got an answer to that one. Uh, Emily's with us, says, hey, gang. Is it land ho for Nikki? Chili can be my great grandfather. I hear you. 
I hear you. Nikki says, just looked out and can see land shapes on our port side. Very good. Hot Air says, Emily, only if you are 15, laugh out loud. You're a bit older than that. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, but I'm old, Emily. I'm old enough to be your grandfather or and then some. No. Yeah. Uh, Nikki says, Jack and Alaska cruise in late May sounds delightful. Yeah, that's I'm going in uh, I'm going in May as well, but I'm going earlier in May, and it's probably gonna be a little nippy. So uh, anyway, uh, Nikki's telling everybody to stay warm. <laughs> Hot Air says, who wants to join a Lynchburg visit to, to New York this Wednesday? We can take hot oil and pitchforks to get the girl that generated all the bad news about the gym in the USA Today. Man, I tell you what, she was awful. Uh, and that was just, uh, it was very poor reporting from the USA Today standpoint as well, you know, I just, I thought she was just somebody just trying to get publicity. And then part of the mainstream media jumped all over it. You know, I've, I fussed about them and I will come Thursday be fussing directly at, I won't fuss it. at my girl that's coming in. Cause I've been deal I've been talking with her and she's understands some of the problems that the cruise industry has been having. So um, hot air says, uh, I was looking at the PTZ TV webcam yesterday in Port Canaveral. It was an ugly sight. The ship did look lovely. Yeah, it was uh, the weather there sucked yesterday. It really did. I looked at the cam as well uh, after I got the thing from, Elizabeth wondering how bad it was. Um, Gretchen says, ready to rub, rub it in, Nikki. I thought of you this morning. Dreams of Tahiti. Why does she have to quarantine? I think I missed that. Oh, yeah, that's all people that get on the cruise ship, go to work on a cruise ship, have to quarantine. Uh, that's that's part of the rules set forth by the CDC and the cruise lines back when they put all their protocols together. But yeah, seven days of quarantine for everybody that gets on a cruise ship to work. And Gretchen says, just procedure for all entering crew. That's correct. New passengers have to quarantine, but going anywhere and on and or off the ship. Uh, no, passengers do not have to quarantine. Uh, passengers are... Uh, supposedly vaccinated and boosted now in some cases. Uh, but no, you do not have to quarantine once you get on the ship unless there is a specific need for it. Um, so that's uh, what you've, when you've seen some reports of people being quarantined on the ship, that's because they have been uh, uh, around somebody that tested positive I uh, had direct contact with somebody that tested positive or something like that. But no, I, when I go, when I get on the cruise ship next Monday, when I get on freedom of the seas, assuming that I'm negative on my 
my test. And by the way, if Kenneth is in the audience today, this is the, the one that counts uh, by the cruise line. It is buy next now COVID-19 AG card home test. It must be proctored. And that's the one that the cruise lines accept. Uh, uh, Kenneth and Robin had asked me about that. And I hadn't opened the box over there. So I opened the box over the weekend. So I have that here for him today. Uh, so uh, that's the proctor test. So assuming that I test negative when I do that, which I'll do that on Saturday, you can do it two days before. Um, and then, um, and I can't remember if... Uh, Roy, I have to do another test when I get to the port with, I don't think I do with freedom, but I do with MSA. One or the other of them I have to, I have to test before I get on board as well. So, um, and it doesn't matter. No, as long as as you're, uh, you know, negative, then you're fine. You, you, you go on board, you go to your cabin, you get, you can go off, you can go get something to eat, go up for sail away, whatever you want to do. Uh, but no, you don't have to quarantine when you, as a passenger getting on a ship, only if your crew going to work there. So she is working too. No, she's not working yet. She does not start working for seven days. Uh, seven days from when she got on. Friday, she starts working. Friday, yes. Friday will be her first day working. Uh, Nikki says, uh, Carol, how exciting for you. It really feels like we're on the other side of the world. So beautiful. Makes me want to reread Mitchter. That was the first thing I thought when I saw that you're going to go to Tahiti. was, uh, you know, I got to pull up Mitchner again and go back and read it. I love that. So Encore changed its itinerary to go to, uh, Great stirrup key first instead of last. And the water must have been too rough today. They kept on going. Hope the other ports behave. <coughs> Excuse me. Got a little tickle in the throat. And no, I'm not sick, folks, because I've been running my mouth all morning. Uh, Hot Air says, Nikki, what is after Papaite on your itinerary? You are so close to Australia. Wave hi to the kangaroos. I don't think she actually goes to Australia. I was there in 1996 for three weeks, sailed from Tahiti on a 400-foot sailboat around Morea and Bora Bora, then two weeks in Rarotonga, Cook Islands. So anxious to go back again. Uh, Emily says, love your T-shirt. Note that Chili's hair part has moved to his right side. Now, that's where it's always been. I'm actually uh, doing, this is actually the correct way. Hot air. Uh, It was on the other side Saturday, and the dog and cat pics are back on the left. Things are looking good today. Yes, uh, because I have the stupid phone the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I got lectured yesterday by uh, Amigo John. (laughs) 
on uh, the fact that I had I had the wrong side of my phone uh, on one of the shows. He can tell by the camera uh, whether it's the front of the phone or the back of the phone. I had no idea. I, was, I mean, you know, me, uh, technical issues. But anyway, yes, this is the correct way for the phone. Uh, that's the best picture. And uh, I use, of course, my big-ass microphone. I use my Big ass microphone, which picks me up from several feet. Now, I also have uh, that I'll be using on the cruise when I'm doing videos, a little small mic that will go on my shirt or whatever, uh, which will be better than the microphone in my old phone. Remember, my phone is not one of the new fancy, uh, you know, Apple phones and things. I'm too dumb for Apple. But anyway, mine's an old Android. And when I say old, I've probably had, it was one of the first smartphones to come out. So lots have happened since then. But uh, Emily says, we had wind last night and rain. It started off, uh, started off as rain, a little bit of snow, uh, posted pics. Yes, you did. Uh, let's hope the next storm stun is, come on, tongue. Let's hope the next storm is done and cleaned up for our 4 a.m. Sunday departure to D.C.'s Reagan National Airport. My departure is 2 a.m. as I have to drive from here to Raleigh, and my flight is at 6, and I, they want me there, you know, like two hours early. That's going to be closer to an hour and a half early, but anyway, we're leaving here at like 2 a.m., so... Uh, Monday, well, well uh, we'll have to see where I am at 11 o'clock, whether there will be a live show Monday or not. Uh, I'm going to say and probably not because I'll probably be in the terminal uh, getting ready to get on the ship. So let's just say right now, next Monday, there will be no show. I will do a show on Tuesday once I'm on board and hopefully have Wi-Fi signal uh, so that's going to be the plan, at least. Now, I will be posting stuff later in the day, Monday, and maybe do some live if I get a chance to. So we're going to play that by ear, folks. Nikki says, uh, hot air. We got two days in Papiete, two days in Bora Bora, three C days back to Papiete, Moria. However you say that, uh, two sea days, Atuana, Hiva, O, then eight sea days to LA, no Australia. I'll wave as we go by. Okay, that's cool. USA Today, barely a paper. Gretchen says, oh, that's, they're, I'm getting just fed up with, I'm almost as fed up. With the mainstream media, the way they have reported stuff the last month or six weeks, as I am with the politicians in Washington, both sides of the aisle. And you know how fed up I am with those jerks. What a trip, Nikki. Um, let us know any changes you notice. Okay. I missed the story about the gym. 
Oh, the Norwegian gym, the, the gal was complaining because she was stranded at sea. Uh, what happened was they, they got canceled out of ports. They were, first were going to go back to New York early, and then they decided just, just to do a cruise to nowhere and sail around. I mean, people are on the cruise. You're at sea. You're, you have entertainment. You have food. You have all the restaurants. You have specialty restaurants. You have uh, entertainment. You have the casino. You have bars. You have bingo games. You have all the stuff that's just done on a cruise normally. And she's complaining that she's stranded at sea with hundreds of people that are infected. And the fact of the matter was it was some crew members that tested positive and they were running short on crew. Um, so, but it was just a big, and, and then USA Today blows it out of proportion even more about how horrible it is to be stranded at sea. Well, she wasn't stranded at sea. That ship never stopped for a second. It sailed around like you're on a normal cruise on a sea day, only they couldn't go to ports because the ports canceled this ship out. Wait. So, I mean, that's what happened, Emily. Uh, and there was the... the Norwegian Jim, the one that Hot Air Tom was on twice. Same ship. So. Um, that's a very different itinerary listed on Cruise Mapper. Sounds wonderful. Chili Cruises, I got a Facebook ad for the OTC version test. If it's not a scam, I will get 20 tests for $59 just for my own knowledge of my status, not proctored. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. I have seen some of those uh, uh, advertised, Tom, uh, but they're not accepted by the cruise line. So if you're if you're just having them to test yourself, uh, if like you've got the sniffles or something and you want to make sure that you're not positive, uh, that's one thing. But uh, I, I was specific, talking specifically for Kenneth and Robin about the proctor test that the cruise lines accept. And it must be the ones that say AG on the box. Hot Air says, hope they are not all expired. Seems too good to be true. But for $59, I figured I would uh, take the change. Uh, $59, is that the one that's supposed to be free sent out by the government? Maybe that $59 top is a screw job. And that's the ones that the government's going to send out for free. Uh, but I don't know how they get 59 of them at once. But anyway, I, I don't know specifically about that. Gretchen says, big ass, is that the brand name? No, actually, actually, it's not. It's a Yeti. I call it big ass because it's a big ass microphone. That's what it is. And it's pretty heavy, too. I mean, I'm a big fat guy, which is why I have a big ass microphone. See, that goes with my fat body. So, but I can sit it right here on my desk and I'm what am I, two feet away from the microphone and it picks me up uh, fine. So, 
Uh, Emily says that's bigger than Bruce's microphone from what I remember. Yeah, size size matters. Yeah, right. Ah, uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, because my microphone. Let me see if I've got one here. I'll show you my microphone that I'm going to be using on the ship when I'm doing uh, traveling around stuff. Which box is it in? It's in this box. Now you go from the big ass microphone. Oops, that's the wrong box. Where did I put it? Oh, there it is. This is, they're talking about a difference in microphone. That's the microphone I'm going to be doing, using on the ship. See that little sucker? And it's going to be clipped on my shirt. So when I'm doing uh, like my uh, accessible tours and stuff of the ship, or I'm going around and uh, if I'm interviewing a person, I'll have a second one that I will have clipped to the uh, phone camera or something and, and work it that way. So anyway, that's a, that's a whole bunch of difference in mics. So size counts and not so much in microphones anymore. So that's a little uh, uh, <laughs> a chatting about my microphone. So uh, let's see what else we got here. Cause I got to about get out of here. I went over an hour the other day. Goodness, I'm over an hour again today. I'm 10 minutes over an hour. That's a, that's a long show for me. So I got to get out of here, folks. I got to end this pretty quick. All right. That's going to wrap me up for today. I'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place for Tuesday's travel and cruise industry news. You guys stay safe, stay healthy, stay out of trouble. Think about cruising. One of these days, we'll all meet on the high seas. For now, this is the old fat travel guy. Later, y'all. I regularly post videos on all facets of the travel and cruise industry. So if you like to keep up with the latest in cruise ships, ports of call, cruises themselves, chilly chats, and travel and cruise industry news, just hit the little subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. Hit the bell notification so you'll be notified when a new video is up or we go live. This video was produced by Chili's Cruises. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be.